0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Red Men TV. Um, what's happening, how you doing, how you feeling? Obviously we're in the middle of an international break at the moment, we're just under a week removed from the transfer window, closing. Uh, and I, I, something that's sort of been burning my head out over the last, well... I don't know, a few weeks certainly as we came towards the close of the transfer window and it was this notion of whether or not Liverpool, having only brought Ibrahima Canati and have improved their squad in general. Um, And 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 I'll be honest, this is sort of born of this contention that I've had in my head anyway. And whether this was true or not, I didn't know. Um, What I felt was that Liverpool were effectively adding players to the the side that won the title and whether that makes sense or not, and whether Liverpool have, have added to Have Liverpool improved from the team that lifted the league? Because I always I feel, or felt, that last season was such a mad anomaly that it was very hard to really judge where Liverpool were at. Now, finishing third without a senior centre-half at the club for half a season gives you a pretty good indication that the had pretty good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to try to sort of address a few general... Thoughts, feelings, and concerns around how good Liverpool's squad is or isn't, and obviously some people might choose to tie that into the ownership or or the the the, the transfer committee structure, whether that's Michael Edwards or Jürgen Klopp, etc. Um But yeah, I thought the most intelligent way for me to do this was to use a spreadsheet because intelligent people use spreadsheets. Chris uses them all the time. Uh, he loves them, loves a spreadsheet. This paycheck. Now I've not got any macros working on this, but what I've done. For the sake of complete clarity here, um, I have compared Liverpool's squad from the start of the 18-19 season to the start of this season. So... So just to set the scene of where that is, Liverpool have just lost in Kiev the Champions League final to Real Madrid in, in heartbreaking circumstances. Liverpool went into the market, we'll talk about that and who that was within a second, and they started this campaign having basically been a top four side and just had a first run at the Champions League and got all the way to the final. What we now know is that the 1819 season led to Liverpool, um, well began almost like the modern Liverpool side that we've got right now and the real success started to tick in from then. So in, in 18, 19. Liverpool got 97 points in the Premier League and won the Champions League. And then the following season went on to win the Premier League with 99 points, uh, winning it in the quickest time ever. Uh, and coming down with, I think that's the is that the second highest points tally of all. all time? What, whatever. Anyway, there you go. Um, so what I want to do is to see kind of where Liverpool are at so when Liverpool beca- became the all-conquering force that became the champions of everything the best team in the world what kind of position were they in going into that season because I think we look back on it a little bit sometimes with rose-tinted glasses to some extent or maybe we don't maybe some people look back on it and, and, and think that maybe that squad wasn't as, as good or whatever but we know what that squad did and I thought it was important to look at the construction of that and stand it next to now um, for purposes that I will sort of get to in the in the, in the while we're having a discussion or whatever. You. If you want to dive in on any of this by the way, you can use the comments section uh, alongside if you're watching this live. I'll try to be as illustrative as possible because I do have a spreadsheet and it doesn't really translate very well when you can't speak uh, no to audio form, but there's a couple of things here. So let's get it up and I'll show you what I've done so what I've done is I've stacked the two squads side by side and some of this isn't going to put out the notes and the gain, debate loss will come to later on in the show but for for purposes I've got here the squad that Liverpool started 18-19 with on the left and the squad that they're starting this season 21-22 with just next to it the players highlighted in yellow uh, are where we've changed a member of the squad and players highlighted in green are new signings to the squad for that season and the only other note is um, a Alex, with a little star next to them, like Queen Kelleher, uh, Nat Phillips, Nathaniel Klein, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Ryan Brewster, uh, uh, all indicates that they basically played either zero games for Liverpool that season or as close to as almost makes um, makes no odds. Um, but yeah, uh, and what I did was I took the full squad lists from those campaigns and, and, and sort of stacked them side by side. So the first takeaway that you can get there is that volume-wise, Liverpool have actually there's more or less the same number of bodies um, available now in the squad as they had back in 2018-19 just to give you some headline facts then from that away from the spreadsheet um, the average age uh, of our squad in 2018-19 it uh, was 24, uh, 25 years uh, 25.4 years uh, it is in this season 26.4 so it's aged a year uh, which I think is quite interesting given this general consensus of course uh, Hi, we can come back to me now, sorry. Um, The general consensus, of course, that um, the squad's now massively, massively aged. Obviously, some players have aged, but in certain areas, the squad has gotten younger as well, which is how you end up with that sort of average age thing. Uh, Just for some headline facts again, uh, we went into the 18-19 season with four brand new sign-ins, whereas we know just one new sign-in for this season... Uh, yes, uh, I've actually included Phillips and Kelleher, even though actually, although they were both Liverpool players at the time, I kind of went back to include them, Kelleher was more around the squad at that point, as like a, as the youth goalkeeper on the fringes, Now uh, <clears throat> Phillips was not involved at all, he was very much an under-23 player and the same sort of goes for Ryan Brewster as well, albeit he had injury problems, which limited his, his play as well. And one more interesting note is Joe Gomez, which I'd forgotten about, um, went into this season as a right back now he played centre half and he played a lot of centre half in eighteen nineteen. but he actually was used almost entirely as a right back in the 17-18 season um, which I think is a really fascinating one it's mad how quickly that comes around but 28 of his 30 games in the seventeen eighteen season season um, came at right back he only played centre half once prior to this season beginning so I think that's quite a that's quite a cool interesting thing as well um, the the ones that are, are actually I think are really the most sort of uh, illustrative things in here is as I mentioned there is uh let's like say Nathaniel Phillips didn't get used at all. Uh, Klein made just five appearances in the season leading into that so 17 18 just five appearances uh, and he only made in the season that's about to start 18 19 just 183 minutes due to the back injury and then he was moved to Bournemouth on loan in the January. Um so that's an interesting one and Alex Oxlade-Chamber we all know this of course um but he actually made 46 appearances for Liverpool prior to his crucial injury that he suffered in the Roma game in the Champions League he then went on to miss all of uh, eighteen had, nineteen. he had a grand total of 19 minutes game time in the eighteen nineteen season uh, which, again, is quite an interesting point. So, as again, as much as Oxlain-Chamberlain uh, is there, he's ob- obviously uh, he, he missed that entire season because of the cruciate injury that he suffered. And, I, again, mentioned similar with the Brewster stuff as well. So what I sort of want to break this down to um, is this column we've got here, which is the gains, the debatables and the losses. So, again... This is all relatively speaking subjective and feel free to agree or disagree with me on on any of this stuff, but I'm just going to present it as I sort of see it. I think there's some what we're going to break down as obvious gains. There are... Arguable gains. There are clear losses, and then there's arguable either way. Um, so I'll go through the obvious gains in the squad. Um, so we, first and foremost, Allison. So Alisson Becker was 25 when we brought him in. He'd just done his first full season for Liverpool, uh, for Roma, sorry. Uh, prior to that, he'd been understudy to Chesney, so he had one full senior season. He'd been the cup goalkeeper prior to that, and actually, the, it was mainly the Europa League goalkeeper for Roma prior to his season where we end up meeting him on the road to the on the road to Kiev. So I would argue, or I think that's an inarguable gain. Let's just go player for player. Allison in eighteen nineteen. Allison now, having done all the things he's done, he's a goalkeeper. Goalkeepers only really start to hit the peak around the age that Allison's getting to now. So I think although in terms of Mignolet was the backup goalkeeper going into that season now we've got Adrian technically filling that slot because as mentioned we're sort of Kelleher was around so we'll keep Kelleher stacked up alongside Kelleher and I think in that regard you've got what we're classed as an obvious loss so as much as Mignolet wasn't a great goalkeeper for Liverpool is he a better goalkeeper than Adrian? Yeah, he is and I'm not going to sit here and, and get into like any sort of slaughtering of Adrian by any stretch of the imagination but Mignolet, Liverpool had a, a really, really, really good professional, senior age... A backup goalie there, and he, we we talk about this a lot, and I've done a, a lot of videos on this about how you improve your squad by improving your first team, and then your your, your previous first team players become your backup players. Now we couldn't keep Minyale around for long, and they made a decision; they farmed carrier out on loan for that season after Kiev, and kept Minyale. So Minyale goes all the way as the understudy to the to, to Allison all the way to the um, Champions League final that season. So I think that's a loss. I think in terms of the squad quality, the goalkeeper depth from eighteen nineteen. I think that's a loss. I think Kelleher to Kelleher is an obvious game because he's gone from being a youth player to, I think, most of us now. If he said Alisson was out, most of us... I mean, no one would be like, yes, we've got Kuevan Kelleher in goal. But I think from the performances we saw last season, I think we've got a very capable understudy there. Is he as good as Mignolet? Probably not. But in terms of, again, Kelleher to Kelleher and his, his role in the squad, he has improved um, so I think that's a, that's an obvious game. Moving on to the defenders, and we get to our first sort of debatable one: uh, Virgil van Dijk. So Virgil going into eighteen nineteen was twenty seven years old. Going into this season, he's thirty, and he's come off the back of a very serious cruciate knee injury, which we know kept him out for what two thirds of the two thirds or more, three quarters of the season last year. Now, so far, so good. He does look like he's he's back up and running. He looks amazing. All of a sudden, the Chelsea game is a big test for him, and we're feeling a lot more confident. But and I put it debatable because I I think you could maybe argue that's a straight loss because he, he's a bit he's a bit older and he's just had a major knee injury. So yeah, that that stands right. That stands the reason. Um, but he is experienced, he's won loads more things, he's added silverware, so in a general sense he's improved, I think we could probably all say that, you know, the mentality of the character his stature within the game, but I still think it falls in with the debatable debatable thing and the same goes for Joel Matip as well because again, Matip, another one, 27 at the start of the eighteen-nineteen season 30 going into this campaign, which is mad because I think everyone thinks of him as being about 34, um he made 35 appearances going into the 1819 season. That's the the, the Kiev season. Uh, he missed the, the last 11 games of that season from the uh, Champions League quarterfinals onwards with a hamstring injury, and then was missing for the start of the 1819 season again. Matip has started like an absolute house on fire. It looks brilliant, but we all know he is what he is, and I'm sort of debatable because yes, he's older, but he's no—he doesn't seem to be any more or less injury prone. I just think there was probably a little bit over Matip at that time where and Lovren was, pro- Lovren was ahead of him in the pecking and order and basically because you know, we finished the season with Lovren part- partner in Van Dijk because Matip's out- Lovren's brilliant in the Champions League final um, so I will put that down as debatable because it stands to reason that there's a law of diminishing returns with injury on Matip but that's that's that uh, in terms of our next backup centre half effectively what we've done in the squad is swap Dejan Lovren uh, for Ibrahima Kanate, which would have been a bit more obvious if they'd done, just done it last summer um, but obviously we've waited a full year for that to happen now I have that down as a, as an obvious loss, and not because I don't think Canate is really really good, but you know he's a 22 year old centre half. Deja Lovren was 29, right at the peak of his powers at that point. And yes, you know we we knew Lovren inside now, too. So we knew he had a mistake in him, but Canate for me anyway, right now is unproven. So you've got a senior centre half, international full international class, by the way, in, in terms of Lovren. I I think that's an unarguable. Uh, or a clear loss but that's up for debate if you disagree with that, uh, please please feel free, Lovren made 43 appearances this previous season, Canati made just 21 for Leipzig last year going into this one so that's a point, um, further down we've got another obvious game, Phillips has gone from being a European player, uh, sorry from being an under 23 player, not quite the opposite in fact, um, to being a, a nailed on first team member, in fact it's funny when I was doing this list I, I forgot about Phillips because I just threw, I, I, I thought he was going to move on so I added him in when we signed him down to a new contract and he's stayed. He, for me, is a massive gain on the squad because effectively, he's a free hit. He's an extra defender that we've added into the mix this season. So we went into... 1819 again a 97 point Champions League winning season with Van Dijk, Matip, Lovren and Gomez. Gomez actually, which we will come to next, was completely unproven at centre half at that point. Uh, and yeah, and, and Phillips was was, was basically in, in amongst the kids. So the Phillips is a massive gain, I think, in terms of defence. But you know, I haven't got a massive gain section, so I'm just going to give him a green. Uh, and Gomez, as mentioned there, I think that's another another gain. Having basically been a right back, um, he was. A, as much as we know he's gone on to be a good centre-half, he was a right-back going into that campaign. So the see, from now to then, we don't know about uh, his fitness and what kind of Gomez we're going to get back, but also we're in a situation where we know he's a top-quality centre-half. It's, it's now proven. Um, now, he had he'd obviously had his own injury problems as well prior to that. So I think that kind of cancels that out. But yeah, I see Gomez as being in a much stronger and better position now uh, than he was going into that season. Let's move into the fullbacks then. Trent then to Trent now, gain. I think that's clear. You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold in 17-18 made 33 appearances at right-back with three goals uh, and three assists. Um, That was the season leading into the Champions League season where you look at him now, okay, not his best in terms of output last year. But now he's the best right-back in world football and he's still only 22 years old. So, yeah. Trent is better now than he was at the start of that season. I think that's a clear gain uh, in terms of the backup right back. Now this is where it gets a little bit tricky because on paper Nathaniel Klein versus Nico Williams, I think even I would say I would rather have Klein as a backup to Nico, and that's not because I've, I've, I'm not looking to disrespect Nico in any way, shape or form. But for me, Klein will always be that brilliant, ultra dependable right back that we had who never got injured. It was just a, he was just a class act. We brought him in and he was solid. He was the air. A pattern to the Steve Finnan throne of being seven out of ten every week, and sometimes just having fallbacks to a seven out of ten is great. Um, and I, I look Nico Williams is, is, is in the level of his career where he needs to aspire to actually start being able to do that for Liverpool. I have put it as a gain, though, in terms of Williams, and I'm sure people will disagree, but allow me to uh, just walk through my rationale on that. I've sort of hinted out before, the season going into that, Kline made just five appearances, and then he would go on to make just 183 minutes. He, he came, he started against Man United, he then had a couple of isolated minutes, and then I think it was Jamie Redknapp called it a disgrace when we sent him out alone, and no one's thought about him since. Um Nico, on the other hand, last season made eleven appearances for him. Uh, it, it made eleven for Liverpool, six hundred and seventy-nine minutes. So I know he didn't set the world alight, but he's much more available and he's got a higher ceiling. And I do think, and maybe, this, and this is where it comes into personal opinion, he suits Liverpool's style of play a bit better. He's just a bit—he's be- better. better on the ball. We used to make a joke about Klein about how he'd get a nosebleed crossing halfway and he couldn't cross to save his life. Nico Williams's crossing's really good. He is. He's just. I think he's a better footballer. But the Klein, it's hard to detach the best Klein, the one that we had who was who wasn't injured and and you know I mean look at him. I mean look at it now. He's twenty seven. There. He's only thirty now. It's mad. It's mad how his career just absolutely plunged after that after that uh, serious back injury that he had. Uh, Right. We move on then. Robertson to Robertson. Again, I think that's a clear game. Same person, improved, better football. Robertson went into the season. In fact, it's really interesting because in 17 18, going into the 18-19 season again Robertson had only been selected, at the first half of the season he was only selected for four of the first Premier League match day squads so he wasn't even on the bench he was only on the bench, he wasn't even used um, for 10 of the first 14 Premier League games now he went on to get 30 appearances um, and last season he gets, he gets 50 because he's an absolute machine but he's the best left back in the world now or arguably so, back then he was coming into it having won his place after Moreno got injured in fact Moreno even played the ba- a bit of the back end of the season when Robertson had a couple of issues um, and we were trying to keep him fresh as well for Champions League stuff so it wasn't 100% set in stone that Robertson was of the supreme quality he just won that personal battle this was the season eighteen nineteen where he really started to kick on now we're seeing him years down the line where he's completely established so I think that's a, I think that's a, an, an unarguable clear gain um, in terms of the backup left back option then uh, Moreno to Shimmickas Now, I've got this down as debatable, uh, and some people might be snorting into their coffee uh, hearing me say that, Um, and some people might think that's absolutely fair. Now, Moreno, again... Conversely, to what I just said about Robertson, he went from me, he had a he had a stellar start to the seventeen eighteen season for Liverpool, which is not relevant to this. I'm just, just for context and where he came about. He did lose his place to Robertson, and we all know Moreno. We all know the baggage that he carries. Um, but he was an established left back for Liverpool at that point. Shimmercast, I think it's it's debatable, borderline game. I think I think that I I don't think he's far off being a clear and obvious game because yeah, look. He, he looks really good, he looks like a perfect fit for Liverpool too, but we've not seen enough of him just yet, early doors for that, but I think that could quite easily turn from a debatable to a gain. Um, midfield, uh, Henderson versus Henderson, debatable, yeah, um, For similar reasons that we've discussed, a 28-year-old Henderson going into 18-19 and a 31-year-old coming into this season. That's another couple of seasons of another couple of uh, injury problems and and what have you. Um, I I think think that's the only thing really that stands between. And I, again, on personal opinion, I think it's a gain because I think Jordan Henderson having won the silverware that he's won, that was the final thing that set him free. He now walks onto the pitch for Liverpool. An England, 10 feet tall. He doesn't carry the weight of the world. He's become a better man. Everything about Jordan, is, I think, has improved but he's, he's three years older and that is something that sort of takes a toll. So I maybe I'm being a little harsh doing that as debatable, but I want to try and be as objective on this as possible. I think that's debatable leaning towards gain, but, but just so you know my, my thinking on that, um, he... Uh, Do did, 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 where we got... Did, oh, sorry, I've covered that up. 41 appearances for Liverpool in 17-18, whereas he only made 28 last season. So there's a really base argument. He was probably a bit... He was fitter and more available, technically, <laughs> Um, going into the 18-19 season he played much more games for us he's coming into this season after another after another injury hit one which could be seen as a bit of a detriment uh, midfield so Fabinho who was the new signing um, at 24 years old to now Fabinho 27 uh, he might even be just about 28 now as well actually yeah, I might be slightly wrong um, but yes I think that's a gain uh, because yeah he's now an established DM I mean you think about him again in that season uh, in fact, in the season leading into that, he makes 46 appearances for Monaco, finished second in league. Uh, then he joins Liverpool straight after we lost um, in, in Kiev, of course. But now I think he's established himself as Liverpool. He wasn't even Liverpool's best DM. He wasn't even, it took him half a season to establish himself. So now we're talking about a guy who just, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. So I think that's a clear game for being' better now than he was then. Uh, now in midfield, there's another debatable one, Wijnaldum versus Thiago. Um, so all we all know, Wine Wijnaldum, what you got in him was you got versatility. You got um, fifty games a season, pretty much. And as we saw there uh, in his pre in the season leading into eighteen nineteen, Genie played fifty times in the seventeen eighteen campaign. Uh, last season, Thiago made a total of thirty appearances for Liverpool. We know he had the knee injury suffered at Everton. Uh, and he had also had to get over COVID as well, and he's had a couple of little struggles already this season. So I don't I don't think anyone looks at Thiago and says he's going to play fifty games a season for Liverpool. He's also he's the same age. Now, as Wijnaldum is now, so you had a younger Wijnaldum at that point as well. But in terms of all round quality of footballer, I think Tiago is a better footballer than Wijnaldum. And you know, okay, different footballers, but I think he is. I think you're talking about one of the best players, one of the best, unarguably one of the best centre mids in world footy. Um, but I've put it as debatable for those factors. Thiago hasn't got the same sort of resilience that Genie has. And of course, Genie was well, well established in that side. So I think Thiago still needs to prove himself that he's a he, sh- he shouldn't need to because he's so good, but he hasn't quite established himself as a go-to. He's a ma- he's not proven himself a total match winner for Liverpool, although the signs bode very well. So I've got that as debatable. Uh, Milner versus Milner, I think that's a loss just because he was thirty-two and now he's thirty-five. He went into the eighteen-nineteen season having broken the assist record for a single season in the Champions League. Uh, I don't think any one of us expects Milner to be doing that again this year. He very much went from eighteen-nineteen being an integral part of the midfield, and now he's the the fringe. He's that he's the, the last. He's the backup for a number of positions there, so that's a loss. Um Kater versus Kater. Thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. I've got it as debatable. He was a new signer, came with a, you know, all kinds of promise. We'd all been watching him for Leipzig for a year while he stayed there after the after we had agreed the deal for him. Uh, he made 39 appearances for Leipzig in 1718, as they finished sixth in the Bundesliga. And why is it arguable? Because uh, he, he's more integrated now. Uh, but we also know that he gets injured all the time. I've got you could argue uh, uh, is it debatable borderline on loss? Maybe, maybe guys. Let, let us know your thoughts on on, on that one. If you don't, if you would be so kind, um, I should say thank you for key to start. Who so says loving this nice analysis and trying my best. Um, yeah, that's, that's a tricky one. Oxlade-Chamberlain, I think, is a, is a, a clear and obvious gain simply because I, I think if you're comparing 17-18 Ox to now Ox, that's a clear loss. But we're not. We're comparing the, the season that started, the squad that started the 18-19 season. And Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has two working knees. So that puts it as a clear gain in terms of squad because Liverpool have been able to use him already this season. He's already played more football. Is that right? Did he play, did he play Norwich? Zeg? He played it so there you go. He's already he's already played more football this season than he played in the entire of the eighteen nineteen season. So that's a clear game for me. Uh, right, here we were getting into another interesting one: Lalana to Curtis Jones. So uh, a thirty year old Adam Lalana to a twenty year old Curtis Jones. I've got this is debatable, and I think that's because Curtis still a young player, still finding his way, and Lalana was an established player. He was a big uh, voice and a big leader in and around the pitch. Um, and you just you know again, senior England international votes. He'd been voted the season. Season before, or maybe the season before that, as England's best player uh, in, in one particular season. But what I thought was quite interesting because you're getting towards the tail end of lana 17-18, Alana made just 16 appearances. So going into the 18-19 campaign, off the back of a season where he made just 16 appearances and got just 519 minutes and one assist. Uh, last season, Curtis Jones made 34 appearances for Liverpool. 1,920 minutes of appearances, got four goals and five assists at 19 years old. Um, so really, on pure paper, in terms of their output, it's actually a gain i think it's again that the i think jones is, was is a healthier addition and maybe a more a beneficial addition potentially to liverpool squad but i've gone debatable because again adam lallana was a proven known entity but yeah, I think I do think that's I do think that's borderline. Um but yeah, thoughts in the comments on that one. And then to Elliot rounds out the midfield. So Shakiri was a new signing going into eighteen nineteen, came with a reputation. Um he had played for relegated Stoke, making thirty eight appearances, eight goals and seven assists in the 17-18 season. Whereas Elliot spent last year out on loan at Championship Blackburn, forty three appearances, seven goals and twelve assists. Now you could argue that, you know, Stoke end up at sort of championship level, but he was playing at Premier League level. So I think I think that's... I'm going with debatable because I think we've already seen that Elliot being chosen for two big games in the Premier League shows that I think Klopp thinks he fits into the side. Shaqiri had never been more than a fringe player at Liverpool. We had to change the formation or change the style and we were unwilling to do that for Shaqiri. He proved to be a great break-glass option, but... I'm trying not to pick too much of what I know about Shakiri's career after the fact because I'm judging on what he was to Liverpool at the start of the 18-19 season. So you could argue it's a loss because Shakiri was proven quality. Senior age player, twenty six years old, played at World Cups and Euros and led his country and played for Bayern Munich and obviously played for Inter Milan and played for Stoke in the Premier League. And Elliot doesn't have that kind of experience. So that's why I've gone debatable. But it's an interesting one and maybe a year from now it'll be seen as a clear game. And I do I have a sneaky feeling it's a clear game because again, Elliot is a viable option for Liverpool's midfield. And I think Shaqiri was used there periodically just to get him on the pitch, not because he, we really felt that he was a he was a key player. And if we'd had more midfield options last season, I don't think we'd have seen him there at all. Uh, right, let's move into the forwards then. Firmino to Firmino, uh, clear loss. Um, and uh, this is not a this is not a dig on Bobby Firmino at all. Uh, and I know some people are happy to highlight it's like a goal return at the moment, but he, he came into the eighteen nineteen season off the back of his best ever goal return. 27 goals in 17-18 for Bobby Firmino. However, he's coming into this season uh, off the back of the 2021 season with his worst-ever goal return, nine. So I think just based on that simply alone, um, yeah, I think that's a clear loss. It just is on, on that alone, Bobby Firmino. And I, I, look, We could do that for Salah and Mane, but we'll come into them in a second. I think there's other factors that make it more debatable. I don't think you could argue that Firmino is does more of the other bits I think he does the same he's still brilliant at linking everything he just did all that but in seventeen eighteen, he scored loads of goals so I think if you stack him the end of 17-18 slash going into the 18-19 season Firmino versus this one that's a loss that makes sense right? cool um, Salah versus Salah 26 year old Salah versus 29 year old Salah I have gone debatable now he did score 44 goals uh, in, in, in coming into the 18-19 season, uh, which is his best ever goal return. However... Uh, his second best ever goal return came last season in the 2021 campaign uh, when he scored 31 goals I think look we've also seen what he can do and we now know there's no like in 1819 there was the is he a one season wonder thing and now it's become a meme he's a five season wonder ha 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 and we do that because Sal is brilliant and we know he's brilliant and he scores loads of goals every season so as much as I think he was a little bit faster back then I think he's lost a, a touch of his pace but I think his all round awareness has grown but he's also he was an goal machine. So I'm gonna put debatable, although I would say everything that Salah brings, the fact that he can do it, he could do it in a counter-attacking side there, he can do it in a possession-based side, and he could do it in a side that was completely under the caution totally stripped of a lot of its best players. Last season shows that he's look, he's in that very fine bracket of the best players on the planet. So maybe it's not debatable, maybe it's a gain. But I, I've put it debatable. Just again, just to be as objective as possible, the Mane stuff. I'm sure there'll be some people who argue that's a uh, that's a loss because of like how poor he was last season. Um, he had his second best ever goal return in 1718, which I didn't. I just presume that would have been his best goal return, um, but it wasn't. Um, his second worst goal return was in 2021 20, uh, last season, with just 16 goals. Although he did score less in 15, 16, 13, he did it in 19 fewer. Game so it was a bad season for Sadio and that's why as much as I think again his all around completeness and all the things he's proven about himself I think he's a better all around footballer now it, that might be debatable leaning towards loss whereas I think Salah's debatable leading towards gain so that's what that's and that's one of the bigger areas of concern for Liverpool is that is just that at 29 years old are the established front three I think you've got. There's no clear, obvious, or uh, inarguable gains there. You could make a strong case for them all being losses. I think you could make a stronger case for Salah to be a game, but either way, the net, I think, across those three places, you're probably slightly worse than they were going into eighteen nineteen, which is which I think is fair. Um, right, this is where it gets interesting. We head towards the final, so sort the of three members of the squad: um, Daniel Studdage... Uh, has been replaced in the squad by Diogo Jota. I think that is a clear and obvious gain. I love Daniel Sturridge, great, and hopefully he gets back to playing with the Real Mallorca this season. Um Sturridge made 20 appearances in 17-18, just 630 minutes, got three goals um, and three assists. Last season, Diogo Jota made 10 more appearances, 30, 1763 minutes, 13 goals and one assist. You didn't even need to see the stats, but those are the stats. Clear, night and day, streets ahead. And, and bear in mind, at the start of the 18-19 season, Sturridge was the fourth choice. So you think about PSG when Bobby Firmino's got his eye injury after being poked in the eye against Tottenham, you know, it leads to all that. Um, he um, Sturridge was the next in line. And then it becomes a Rigi as the season progresses. But we'll come on to him in a second. But yeah, I think that's one area where there is a complete and obvious gain in terms of what they're doing. Um moving forward then, Arigi versus a I've gone debatable. Because if we were arguing about the end of the 18-19 season of Rigi versus the one now, that is a clear and obvious by Miles loss because Origi now he, he scored one goal last season I think one goal and one assist for Liverpool last season or one goal, and two assists. Either way, a, a pretty paltry return. Um But what is interesting about this, because again, we're debating the merits of this 1819 Liverpool, the team that from this point of the season went on and became the best side in the world for two seasons. I've gone debatable because Ariki came into this season uh, having been on loan at Wolfsburg and not having a particularly good time. Seven goals and three assists in 37 appearances. Uh, he made just nine minutes of appearances for Liverpool in that season. Uh, right at the start, he played it, He played a game before going out on loan. That last season, Divock uh, played just 17 games, just 536 minutes. One goal, two assists. There you go. I knew I'd done the stats somewhere. Um, so... You have to detach what we know about what Origi did in 1819 because you can't, we don't know what he's going to do this season. Now, we suspect, we suspect he's going to continue to not be really good. I think that's fair. But just for the sake of the pure data of the matter, I think it's actually a debatable borderline loss because what, what we know Riggy would go on to do. He you know, this coming season, the eighteen nineteen season, is the season where he becomes an absolute cult hero for Liverpool. You've got Everton, you've got Newcastle, and you've got Barcelona, and you've got the Champions League final. Cast in bronze, put him alongside Bill Shankly, as far as I'm concerned, outside the cop. Um Whereas now Origi has had to live. It's a bit like having the ignominy of being Paul McCartney and not dying at the peak of your powers and being compared to John Lennon, uh, who got to make all his best music, then die, and then have everyone hold him up on a pedestal forever. Origi is... Basically, Paul McCartney at this point, and he has the ability to be good, and that's a bit sly, because Paul McCartney's made some very good material. Flaming Pie was a lot longer ago than you remember, if you're around my age. It was 97, great album, um, but still, 30 years after this peak of the Beatles. Anyway, uh, my point is this, is that I'll I, I put debatable, because it is very, very debatable, depending which angle you're coming at it debatable borderline loss. But where there is another major, completely inarguable gain in Liverpool's attacking options, Rian Brewster, who um was injured for the entirety of seventeen eighteen, he missed all of eighteen nineteen in terms of no not a single minute of appearance, but he was an unused substitute twice Barcelona and the Champions League final, which is why he's in Madrid and why he gets a medal and why you see him running around the pitch in a kit, uh, even though he offered nothing in terms of the actual output on the pitch for Liverpool. Um... F- Flip him out of the squad and put Takumi Binabino in. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I am convinced by Taki. We also know right now he's just picked up a knock uh, on international duty with Japan, which is kind of by the by. The point is, going into these campaigns, going into 1819, Ryan Brewster was injured uh, and then offered and uh, wasn't able to contribute at all. So even if we thought he had a, a higher ceiling or whatever, he literally couldn't play football. So he effectively was not a member of Liverpool's squad. So Liverpool have got an extra player. This season compared to going into that season, that player is Minamino. Now, can he offer more output? I mean, look, all he has to do is play a game of football and he will have offered more and given more squad depth just by existing. Um, or he just has to make three substitute appearances throughout the season and that will have made him more. Um, but yeah, that is that attack, he made 27 appearances, including the Southampton loan last year, 1,460 minutes, six goals and two assists. So yeah, that is inarguably a gain to Liverpool's squad. So that's where we're at um and what I've done, actually, by the way, I've done a, a sort of sister video to this. Uh, I did this on my channel, which is where I normally do these sort of opinion pieces. I just, I just needed a better setup for this, uh, and it, it fitted with Redman because a lot more people are, are melting down over Liverpool's situation, and obviously more people interact with Redman TV, um, and it meant I could get a side to help me out with it as well, which is great. Um, but I've done a video on what I think Liverpool's biggest transfer gambles are this season, based on that, because as much as there are clear gains in various positions, are they clear enough? And I think those players are. Tack- ox nabby Nico and Origi. so I've done a video on that that's on my YouTube channel right now uh, again m- m- a bit more opinion based although it adds some of the data from this into my into my discussion on that I will', will link to that' I'll annotate to that you can check that out but yeah um Leslie thoughts on everything that I've sort of discussed there because um the 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 the, the real issue you've got there is I think is a bit of we could do with improving so I, I don't I'm not going to sit here and say that Liverpool can't improve on Minamino Origi and in terms of midfield you could improve upon Milner and you can argue that you can improve on Cater and Ox because neither of them has been stellar in the last couple of seasons and you could maybe get a better other player than Phillips maybe and you can have a better backup goalkeeper the point of all of this is what I'm trying to sort of indicate here and I, I, just to give you one last look at that in terms of there are far more gains to this squad um, then there are losses, and most of the debatables, I think, err towards the gain side rather than the loss side. And now, obviously, this can't quite factor in you know the injuries and the fitness. We don't know about Virgil van Dijk, which, again, is why I've made him a debatable, not a clear gain. And, and Gomez is a gain only because of the fact of where he was contextually at the start of that season. But my point is this. At the start of the 18-19 season, Liverpool had lost the Europa League final, scraped into fourth, um, managed to get to the Champions League final before having the floor wiped them with with Real Madrid. They went out and added some real quality to that side. Uh, And then from there onwards, they went on to... Get 97 points in the league, run Man City to the final game of the season, whilst also getting to the Champions League final and winning the Champions League final. And then the following season, all they did was add Adrian and an 18-year-old Harvey Elliott to that and went on and got 99 points, winning the league title, absolutely storming the league, even the fact that COVID tried to undercut that, but they still did. They still won it at the earliest possible point. In fact, if they just not played a single game after, after lockdown, they'd have still won the league anyway. That's how good that side was was, and then what happened, the champions then added uh, Thiago, Jota, Shimikas, and ultimately Kanate to that as well, and Minamino, sorry, was added in there as well, I always forget that, Um Liverpool added all of those players to that side as well, which has now led them to where they are now, and that's kind of what I'm driving at, is I think Liverpool are better now. Now. What we can't know because it's football and we don't know what's going to happen this season is how much the improvements to rivals has made. So Manchester United will be closer and Chelsea will be closer. But the point is is that Liverpool have not stood still. It feels like it sometimes because when you're looking at the transfer window in isolation, it's hard not to look at Canate and say, well, that's just one player. But I would argue, and that's the point of all this, is if you feel a little unsure about how good Liverpool are... I think Liverpool are better than the best Liverpool side there's ever been. I think this side is better than the best one that's ever been in my lifetime. The the 1819 and the 1920 Liverpool is without a doubt the best Liverpool side I've ever seen and this squad is more experienced it's actually got a... Re, a it's very close age-wise as well, so it's not gained too much age. So there's not loads of players who are into the danger zone in terms of, of their age brackets. Um, and we've added some great young talent. So in Harvey Elliott um, and in Curtis Jones in midfield, you've added two hot, young, young up-and-coming players who are more than capable of contributing right now as well. And in terms of Jota and Minamino, as much as Minamino doesn't draw the eye as much as some people may, may hope he does he's an extra player in terms of what Liverpool had in that time compared to Ryan Bruce. So look, yeah, there you go. It's a long winded way of saying this, but Liverpool are better than now, technically on paper than they've ever been. It's now up to them to see it in reality. There, that's it. Thank you. Um, thanks to everyone who joined me live for this one. Uh, welcome to our, your man, uh, Patanik, who's joined as a first teamer. Um, John Harrison with the comment here saying, people say we have a weak squad. People do. and Because it's easy, because, because Liverpool finished third and had a real struggle last season and only added one player. But the thing is, from the, the, the Liverpool side that was struggling, they've not added one player to the Liverpool side that lost six games at Anfield. They've added Virgil van Dijk, Joel Matip, Gomez, Canate. Henderson came was injured in the back period of that. Fabinho was out for a stretch of that as well. Jota was out for that period as well. Tiago was only just come back in. They've had, they've had, to, and that sounds stupid. It sounds like excuse making. It's just not. It's just the, the reality of it. The Liverpool side that catastrophically fell off a cliff was nowhere even close to the best Liverpool side. Liverpool didn't play a team that had Alisson, Trent, Virgil, Gomez Matip, Robertson, Fabinho, Henderson, Tiago, Mane, Salah, Firmino for a that that team did not play a single minute of football last season. And it's one of them isn't it and i might be, i might be miles off by the way i might be miles off this but the thing is none of us knows so you can choose to be super miserable with it or you can choose to accentuate the positive it doesn't change the reality of it one way or the other. I'm just presenting a a, a, a calm take on the on the situation that Liverpool are in. Um, Ayan, uh, who was just joined as a first teamer, says if we look to the main uh, to the man in the first starting eleven, we have one of the best squads with the best defence in Europe. But there's a lack of depth on the bench. Again, compared to Manchester City, yes. Compared to Paris Saint Germain, yes. And maybe look Chelsea and, and, and United to some extent too. But also. It shouldn't be underestimated. They've bought a lot of players in and those players need to get up to speed and some of those players won't work out because not all new signings do. Liverpool have got an established side and that counts for something. Paul Tompkins has written a great article about this, by the way, on Tompkins Times. Highly, highly recommended. So I think it's a little bit of a... Because I, I, again, I'm comparing this to the squad that went on to have Liverpool's most successful two-year period ever uh, in, in the Premier League and the squad depth is better now than it was then. So the idea of what are we comparing our squad to, because if we're comparing it to other teams, then that's fine, but there's no guarantee that that's, it's hard, it's, it's easy to do that, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything is what I'm driving at. Um, Yes, uh, okay, uh, FPL saying, maybe when Pedro Neto becomes available, we might go in for him. Klopp may not have said this publicly, as he doesn't want players like Neto's price to rise because of potential interest from other clubs. Yeah, maybe, oh, it's a path well trodden now because of Jotter, isn't it? So it could be, could be a thing. Um, John saying, mate, you spot on with this. It's the best squad since the 80s. Great mix of youth and experience. Uh, oh, and we have the best right-back and left-back in the league, uh, and the best centre-half, and the best right-winger, and arguably the best left-winger, uh, and the best box-to-box midfielder. The best DM, arguably, joint with Kante. Um, and, and I think Thiago will prove to be the best creative midfield in the, in the league as well, but there you go. Um, and, and Conor saying, mate, everyone has improved around us, though. They have, absolutely have. But my point about this is, is that again Liverpool have improved as well Liverpool haven't not improved but all of those none of those teams that we're talking about were as good as Liverpool in that period so Man City might have won the league with more points in 18-19 and they won the domestic cups but they got nowhere near in the Champions League and then the following season, Liverpool absolutely blitzed them in the league. And what did they do? Just just domestic cups did they do? I can't even remember. Um Then last season, okay, yeah, they get to a Champions League final, which they still don't win. And yeah, they, they, they blitzed the league. But again, in a season where Liverpool had, had suffered the worst injury crisis in, in, in the history of football. So yeah, and teams have improved. But the point is this, is when you're at the top, you need to you need to spend to improve, but there 's a point at which you 're throwing money good money after bad. How much more improvement can you do and I think I agree I, and, I, and this is one of the points I made this video at this video over on my channel, which I, I' again watch this and then go and watch that and then talk to me in the comments on there or in here because they kind of I, i'm making a, I make a few I answer a few of these points and what have you but my generalized point on this is there 's a reason Liverpool bought um Ozan Kabak on 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 loan and then sacked them off and there's a reason we got Ben Davies for a few quid in January it's because we wanted a centre half and that centre half was Canate but they couldn't get him in January so they knew that so they had to wait until that to get him and they've gone and got the player that they actually want for the money they wanted to spend. It wouldn't shock me if I don't think Liverpool wanted to go and spend another because again let's just 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 to quickly get the squad up you've basically got you've got to you've got to move players out to bring players in now Origi's the one like but to my mind Origi is our sixth choice forward at this point and there's an argument that he might be seventh because Harvey Elliott might get in there he's the one big slot for improvement there were no reasonable bids in for him, and he's he's not really interested in leaving so you've got to go and buy someone really who's like in the 20-30 million pound bracket who's just another squad player Liverpool have got squad players they need better first team players so that the lads can start to sit down. Firmino needs to start to be the, the first sub and the same goes for Mane. That's where you improve, not necessarily going and buying just someone. Man City can afford to do that. They can afford to spunk 30, 40, 50 million pounds on players and when it doesn't work, they just sack them off at a loss because they don't care about losing. They're losing the money in that regard. Liverpool don't work that way, so they need to be cannier. But anyway, the point is, I've made that over on that other, other thing. Um, so yeah, go and check that out on my channel if you want to. Um... Let's see. Keys to start, it may be the best Liverpool squad on paper of all time, but with the current competition, is it going to be enough? No idea. <laughs> no idea. I've got no idea whether it's going to be good enough. Um, but my point is, is that you can't ever know. All you can do, all I can do is, you've, I think you've got a benchmark. You can only benchmark this Liverpool side against itself because Man City can go and do 100 points. But I think, but Liverpool shouldn't theoretically be capable of doing between ninety-seven and hundred if they want to, because they've got precedent for being able to do that. The same with Man City. Have we think we go Man City? We, we look at Man City and go, why, Man City are going to absolutely piss the league. But why don't we say the same to Liverpool? Because Liverpool's squad has gotten better since they last did it. Man City squad has gotten better too, but has it gotten? Is it significantly better than the squad that, that Liverpool toppled? I don't think so. I mean, they've you know they had Aguero at that time you now, and and they've brought Grealish in, great. But again, I'm, I can't I can't speak for every single player in Manchester City squad or Chelsea squad. It will be more competitive. I'd be surprised if a team wins it on more than ninety points this year. Um, but yeah, there you go. It's simple answer. None of us knows. But all I'm offering is a crumb of comfort to say that if you think it's fucked, it's probably not. Right, um, yeah, kids. Uh, that I don't think it's about buying someone for the bench. What fans are upset with is not buying someone to put Mane on the bench, for example. That's how you build these silly squads. No, hundred percent. That and that's exactly that everyone agrees with that. I don't think there's a single person who doesn't agree. But how much does it cost to replace Sadio Mane? You're talking. I think we. I think Jota is kind of skews it a little bit. I think we've done brilliant business. Brilliant business with Jogo Jota, but you need to go and do that again, or you maybe need to go and do that guarantee- guaranteedly. I, uh, yeah, look, I, I agree. That, uh, simple point, yes. I think But I think to replace Mane, I think Mane is a £100 million footballer, still. And so you're looking at someone to replace him in the squad. How much does that cost? And who is actually good enough? Because people are saying Pedro Neto, he's not better than Sadio Mane. He might grow to be, but right now he's not. That's a gamble. So you're spending big money to gamble on someone. I think Liverpool need to reduce the gamble when you replace Mane or Salah, who are both 20 goal a season forwards plus you're gonna to have to go and get a sure thing, and that's not easily done. But you've got time to do that. You can do that next summer, and I don't think I think you can continue the evolution if you're doing those things. Um, Connor, uh, do you think we're holding on for a big signing next summer? Hence why we had a quiet summer. No, I, I, the point I made earlier is that I don't know, but I, the Liverpool have got loads of precedent for that. They don't go and buy just someone. They go and buy the players they need. Because what happens when you go and pick up a player or a body, you end up with Takumi Minamino, who might be really good. But we've taken a bit of a gamble on that. And right now, that's not paid off. You need to go and you do need to go and spend the right, the big bucks. And you need to go and spend the big wages. You need to go and get established players, I think. And we've done that where we've needed to. Alisson, Virgil being the prime examples. Fabinho's another one. Thiago's another one. Um... And just a sort of that, but yeah, I, I do, I think so. But also, it sounds like you're being an apologist for, for the owners because that's how people talk these days. It's got nothing to do with it. Um, Liverpool have track records of doing these things. I think if they let Salah or Mane go, they've got no choice but to go and get someone ready-made because that's too big of a gamble. If you lose one of those lads, you're losing 20 goals from your side and you don't just go and get someone for that, you go and get someone who you know as close to know as possible can do that business for you right um, thanks to everyone who joined us that was really good really interesting I hope everyone came away with something as I say the bit of opinion thrown in there because there always is with football of course there's no absolutes in anything um, but I'll try to be as clear as possible and if anyone has any questions around it please do feel free to use the comments uh, we have a zero to- tolerance policy on dickheads in the comments by the way so if you wish to be a dickhead or be offensive you will be removed from the comments and not be allowed to comment so we want to foster a nice community on Redmond uh, more this season and again if you want to head over to my channel which is Mates TV uh, then I've done that shoulder content looking at the five biggest gambles talking about Taki, Ox, Nabby Nico and Origi and why I don't think it's quite as big a gamble but also why I think they might have chosen that gamble this season thanks everyone hope you have a wonderful afternoon I really enjoyed that um, and yeah the football return this week build up shows we've also got uh, our Jordan Henderson 10 years of red documentary series available as physical media it's a DVD you can get that right now they're selling out like hot cases on a very small print run on that so if you want one thinking ahead to gift season you can do that we've also got a competition run if you want more from us uh, extra Redmen content then subscribe to the tv.com it's a bit like our Patreon uh, we've got a streaming service there for you guys documentaries, features uh, and extra Redmen videos as well so yeah go and do that but other than that thank you very much have a wonderful afternoon I'll see you all soon ta-ra small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat, rounded, textured or tall whatever your next project